try not to get too too worked up this evening, but uh, we'll do we'll do a little study from the book of James. If you'll turn there to chapter three, James chapter three, and uh, going to read some very familiar verses of scripture. Verses um, a passage. This passage of scripture is so important for all of us. You know, a couple of weeks ago we dealt with the, uh, James talking about the Word of God being a mirror, that we look into the mirror of the Word of God and we see ourselves, and we see our reflection. We see um, things that we need to change about ourselves, and that's what a mirror does. We look into the mirror to see what we need to improve about our appearance or about ourselves, right? If our hair needs to be combed or, you know, if you ladies, if your makeup needs to be just right or, um, you know, whatever the situation. Men look, you know, do I need to shave? Am I okay to go out into public? And so it's, it's looking into that mirror to see that reflection of yourself. And, the, and James likened the Word of God to a mirror that shows us ourselves and shows us what we need to change in our life. And so from this third chapter, we definitely see some areas that, that uh, an area, a particular area, where all of us need some help. And um, one of the most important passages in the Word of God, I believe, is James chapter 3. You've read it before. You've heard it preached. I've preached uh, from these passages before. But um, James, in, in this epistle, in the, he has, we have already looked at in chapters 1 and 2 uh, a couple of characteristics of being a mature Christian. And so, uh, and that was the whole theme that we talked about when we began studying this book was the spiritual maturity that James uh, was dealing with in the people's lives. And so in chapter 1, one of the characteristics that we dealt with, that James dealt with on, on spiritual maturity was being patient in our times of trouble and testing, dealing with trials, triumphing over trials is what we taught on. And... Um, how that we have to have perseverance through trials. So when we're going through trials, that perseverance, that that patience that comes into play, um, that is a sign of our spiritual maturity and spiritual development. And then in chapter, that was in chapter one. And then in chapter two, that chapter dealt with um, being doers of the word, looking into the mirror of the word, seeing our reflection, seeing what we needed to do and putting the Word of God into practice in our life. Not just being a forgetful hearer of the Word, but being an actual doer of the Word, to do what the Word said. Last week, I think it was, we talked about the, um, the um, relationship of true faith in Christ and the finished work of Christ, that true faith that will produce works in our life. The faith that we have in Christ and what He did justifies us before God and then that true faith um, comes into play in works that we are created in Christ Jesus unto good works which those works then justify us before men. Work, good works do, do not make you righteous, good works do not save you but the fact that you have been made righteous, that you've been born again, that you've been saved, that true faith produces Good works in, in an individual's life. Works of righteousness, the fruit of the Spirit. Amen. And so, so in chapter 2, we, we dealt with that characteristic of maturity, which is practicing the truth. And so now in James chapter 3, James deals with a third characteristic of spiritual maturity, which is having power or control over our tongue and our words, and our speech, and what we say. All right? Oh, boy. Hallelujah. I bet everybody's saying, I wish I'd stayed home and watched the coronavirus. But, <laughs> but, but it, in, in James chapter 3, he talks about, he deals with us as believers managing our mouth. And we all need help 
in that area. Amen. Ain't none of us getting out of here unscathed tonight, including myself. All of us need, um, need help in that area, having power over our speech. And James knew, and we're going to read these verses in a moment, but James knew that the control, controlling our tongue and controlling what we, what we say, that, that the control of our speech was the barometer or a barometer of spiritual maturity. And he, he makes that known in, the, in this third chapter that the more, the more spiritually mature that we become, the more control that, and I want to say it right, I, you know, when I say the more control we will have over our, our mouth uh, or over our speech, but it's the more control, let me put it this way, it's more control that we will yield to the Holy Spirit to have over our speech and over our mouth. Because we'll find out here in James 3 that James says that the tongue no man can tame. That means I can't tame the tongue, I can't tame my tongue, you can't tame your tongue. But it said no man can tame. Notice that, no man can tame. Well, there is, there, it, it, no man can tame the tongue, but the Lord Jesus can, the Holy Spirit can. Can I get an amen? amen. Hallelujah. Somebody said that, um, you know, that uh, a man speaks around 20,000 words a day. And then they said that, that a woman speaks around 30,000 words a day. <laughs> and they said that the problem is when the man comes home from work, he's already used up his 20,000, but the woman has 10,000 left. Amen. <laughs> Amen. A man asked his friend one time, said, do you ever resent your wife getting the last word? He said, no, not at all. I'm just glad when she finally gets to it. <laughs> Praise God. But, <laughs> but our mouth, I think we'll all agree with this, our mouth can get us into trouble. Can I get an amen? Our mouth can. Is anybody here tonight whose mouth has never got you into trouble of any kind? I think, see, see, there we go. We all have been there. When I was a little boy coming up, my mouth got me in a lot of trouble in school, at home, amen. I mean, I, there were some times I had to get that last word in with mom. And I'm telling you, off had come that high heel shoe and, or whatever she belt or whatever she could get her hands on and, and dealt with that situation. So we've all been there where our mouth has, has gotten us in trouble before. So James deals with this in this third chapter. So are you there in James chapter 3? Let's talk a little bit about uh, our words, our speech, and uh, the untamable tongue. And that's the heading in my Bible says the untamable tongue. And the, and the reason is because no man can tame the tongue. Amen. It's the most unruly. I think I preached a message on that years ago. The most unruly member in the church. And that's our tongue. Listen to what he says in verse 1. James says, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive, the teachers shall receive a, receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. We are all still having problems with the sin nature, all right? And he said, we all stumble. We all make mistakes. Nobody here, I got news for you. Nobody here tonight is perfect. We all still falter and we fail. And we all still make mistakes. However, we are growing and we are maturing. Amen. And we should, we should stumble and make less mistakes as we get closer to the Lord and as we grow in the Lord. But he said, we all stumble in many things. But notice this in verse 2. If anyone does not stumble in a word, he's a perfect man. Now that perfect, that word perfect doesn't mean sinless perfection, but it means maturity. It means, means that he's come to a place, this person's come to a place of spiritual maturity. So if anyone does not stumble in word, he's a perfect or a mature man, a mature, spiritually mature individual, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, 
We put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Isn't that something? We, we turn their whole body with that little bit and that bridle by their mouth. Look also, verse 4, he says, Look also at ships, all they are, although they are so large, the ships and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. And then he makes the comparison and he says, Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles, notice this, it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of, uh, of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. It's an unruly evil full of deadly poison. And I'll stop right there. Amen. So James here is talking about and giving us the, the significance, dealing with the significance of words. How many knows that words are really important? The words that we say are very important, very significant. And he begins there in that first verse talking about um, the great responsibility and accountability of spiritual leaders. Those who have, have, um, have a place in the ministry, teachers and preachers and those that minister and teach the Word of God. And James said there in, in verse number 1, not to be, not to, to desire to be a teacher. And I want to add this, unless you really called into that ministry to be a teacher, he says, let not many of you become teachers. Why is that? It's because of the great responsibility that's placed upon individuals in the ministry of teaching and preaching the Word of God. And James said that those who teach and preach the Word of God will receive a stricter judgment in their life. Will be judged by, um, by, by you know, stricter than um, those who have not been in that ministry of teaching and preaching. I am responsible before the Lord to teach you to make sure that everyone that the Lord has put in this church, in this flock, under, under this, our leadership and, and um, pastoral leadership, I'm responsible to the Lord for what I teach you and what I say to you. I, I, and I, I'm going to tell you, I take that responsibility very, very seriously. Amen. I, I think you all know me well enough to know that I'm not here to uh, water down the gospel. I'm not here to sugarcoat anything. Has anybody ever, has anybody ever known me to be a sugarcoater? I mean, there's some sweet things and there's some honey in the Word and uh, there's blessings to be preached and I preach those. And every preacher, every pastor should preach the blessings and the covenant and the benefits of Christ, the benefits of the cross, uh, who we are in Christ, what we are in Christ, and, and all of those good things. But uh, you know what I've heard people say? And I've heard, I've heard people say, well, the gospel is only positive. There's nothing negative. You should always preach positive and not negative. But you know what? I found out that, and I'm not much of a mechanic, but I found out my car won't start if I take that negative cable off of that battery and just leave the positive. I mean, the positive are to start, and it's the positive. That's where the power's at. But it has to have a positive and a negative to get the correct flow of the current to, to turn the starter and to turn the motor over. Can I get an amen? So there's, there's a negative side and there's a positive side. And we should never preach, you know, I don't want to get off my subject, but we should never preach or teach the negative side only without giving people the positive side. Anytime we preach about sin, we should always then tell and preach about the remedy for sin. Amen? 
Anytime we preach about, uh, you know, um, uh, what, what we should not do, we need to preach about how that the Lord will help us to overcome and do what we should do. So you know I'm not one to sugarcoat the gospel, never have been in my life. I love to bless people. And there's a lot of times that I have messages that I, that I, that I wrestle with, that I struggle with, that I uh, talk to the Lord about and say, why don't you let me preach something else this week? I would rather not preach that and even try to come up with something else or, or get something else. But, but when the Lord's laid that up on my heart, I have a responsibility to him and to the congregation to preach what he gives me because he knows what you need. He knows what you need. I don't. And so if I'm obedient to the Lord and will preach what the Lord gives me, then um, everything will be all right. But, but, but preachers and teachers, and that's what James is dealing with here. When he begins to talk about the tongue, he's talking first about the speech and the words of those who preach and teach the Word of God, that we must make sure that the teaching and the preaching that we give to the people whether it be a pastor, an evangelist, a Sunday school teacher, uh, whoever that may be, we need to make, make sure that what we're telling them is true and that it's accurate and uh, that it's in line with the Word of God. Can I get it? Amen. Yes, Preachers must not be for sale. No, Preachers cannot sell out Amen. to the highest bidder. That's Amen. Right. And the sad thing is we, we do have a lot of that going on today and we do see a lot of that in, in, um, you know, in the, the church world today. Um, and you know it's a sad thing. But it is a great responsibility to teach the Word. It should be taken very seriously. And the reason being, James said, is because that teacher and preacher of the Word will have a stricter judgment are a strict, a greater accountability before God. I told you here a while back about, you know, the guy that told his pastor one time and said, you know, um, you're going to give an account for every message you preach to this church. And the pastor said, yes, I'm well aware of that. And he said, I can tell you something else. The pastor said, I can tell you something. You're going to give an account too for every message I preach to this church. Amen. Because, and we are, for every, for every message that you hear, you have to give an account for it. And so um, we need to make sure that, that, um, that we take that very seriously. Now, so he begins with that, talking about the teachers of the Word of God uh, having a greater accountability to teach the words, uh, to teach the Word of God. And, um, but then he goes on to talk about how words, our words, give direction to our life. He says in, in verse 2 that we all stumble in many things, but if anyone does not stumble in word, he's a perfect man, able to bribe the whole, whole body. Indeed, we put bits in the horse's mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. So here, James now is talking about he uses the illustration of a bit in in the horse in the mouth of a horse and everybody knows I know Miss Natalie does amen and uh, but everybody knows what that bit is put in that horse's mouth with that bridle and I mean you know a a um, uh, uh, hundred pound um, jockey can sit on a twenty five hundred pound racehorse and can and with that with that bit in the mouth of that horse direct the way that that horse goes. Anybody that rides horses or has ridden horses, you know, if you've done that regularly, you know what I'm talking about. I have ridden horses in my younger days. It's been a long time, but I do know, you know, we know how to, how to guide that horse. You can turn that horse in the direction that you want that horse to go. All the strength, all the power in that horse is directed by a bit in the horse's mouth. So James is given an illustration here that direction situations can be turned and can be things can be directed, situations directed, things turned, circumstances turned by 
our mouth and by our words. He goes on to give another illustration of a ship, didn't he? Not only a horse with a bridle or with a bit in a horse's mouth, but he says this, look also uh, at the ships. He said, although they, these ships are so large that they are driven by fierce winds, but they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Now, you know, we just uh, went on a cruise in, in February, and uh, first time I'd ever been on one of those cruise ships, and those things, if you, you know, you, some, y'all, a lot of you have, those things, they're, they're a floating city. I mean, they're several stories high. I think there was 12 or 13 decks. I was on all of them, I believe. And, uh, but, but, I mean, the thing is huge. There was like 2,500 people on board that cruise ship. It's a huge thing going through the ocean there. And, uh, but, 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 it, but the pilot, glory to God, the pilot of that ship, the captain of that ship, can direct that ship wherever he wants it to go, to keep it on track, to keep it on course, to make sure it gets to the right, proper destination, um, but because he's at the helm of that ship, but that huge ship is guided and directed by a small rudder. Now, I don't know, I didn't research this to see how large the rudder is on a cruise ship, but here's the point. Compared to the size of the ship, the rudder is very small compared to the size of the ship. But even in a storm, even in fierce winds, that pilot has to guide the direction of that ship and make sure they're going the right way. I mean, when the wind's blowing, they have to make sure they're going the right way, not get crossways in those waves, um, you know, so that so they don't have a problem, you know, with that. So there's direction by given by that rudder. I know we ran into some stormy weather when we were on that cruise and, and uh, they turned us and headed us the opposite direction to get away from the storm. We went to a different destination. But, but I was glad that the, that the captain knew how to turn the rudder and steer the ship in the midst of the storm. And here's the point, ladies and gentlemen. James likens the tongue to that rudder. He likens the tongue to that bridle. And he said, just as you can guide the direction of that horse and the pilot can guide the direction of that ship through that stormy weather with that rudder, so your words give direction to your life. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You're either talking, uh, you're talking uh, uh, positive, you're talking negative. Now, I'm not, I'm not talking about the power of positive thinking or anything like that, but we all know the Bible teaches us that our words carry weight. What's in our heart will come out of our mouths. Is that right? So there's power in our speech, our, our tongue. What we say determines our direction and our destination. You usually don't do anything unless you say it first. Well, I'm going to go to Walmart. If you hear me say that, slap me. <laughs> huh? Well, I'm going to the store. You know, Vicky was like, well, honey, I'm going to the store. I'm going to get my nails done. I'm, you know, her, her speech has directed her, her has, has, has set her destination and her direction in her life because we always say where we're going, don't we? Usually always. And uh, it will steer us and, our, and it will turn us. So our tongue determines direction and destination. That's what James is talking about here. And so I guess we can say this. If you don't like where you're headed, if you don't like the, the direction you're going, then you need to change the way you're talking. You know, Peter even talked about uh, he that would love 
uh, see good love long life or have long life and see good days. Let him refrain his, his tongue and his lips from speaking guile. And, and in other words, control the way, get control of the way we talk in order to change situations in our life. Amen. And it all boils down to us believing God and, uh, and speaking according to what the Word of God says. So when we're in storms, just like that ship would be in a storm, he said, James said, when it's driven, <clears throat> when it's driven by fierce winds, that those ships can be turned uh, by a very small rudder. And so there's storms that come in our life. Is that right? There's fierce winds and spiritual storms that come in our life right now. There's a storm going on in our nation. Right now, there are, there's a storm that is hitting the church world in, the, in this nation of the United States of America. Can you agree with that? And, and the direction that, 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 how do I say this? The direction that we're being taken has a lot to do with the words that are being spoken and that are being said by the news media and by a lot of other people. Can I get an amen? amen. They're directing our course by what they're telling us. We don't want to go that way. Maybe not. Probably don't. So we've got to direct our own. We've got to set our own course and direction. Now, there is... Power. Now, how many will agree with me tonight? There is power in your speech and what you say. The Bible even says in Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 18 and 21 that death and life are in the power of the tongue. We know that there's, that there's, that there's power in our words, in what we say. I mean, somebody can tell you something and it can be, it can just, it can be an untruth. But if you don't know that it's an untruth, what they tell you, if you believe what they say, can cause all kinds of negative emotions and fear and panic and everything else. If you believe what's told you, whether that's true or not, there is power in words and there is power in speech. So we, as believers, have got to, uh, we've got to get control of our talking and of our speech. Amen? Yes. And that's what James is dealing here with. So when we face storms individually, when we face a crisis situation in our life, when we face um, attacks from the enemy, we have got to meet that crisis, deal with that storm, deal with that situation, turn our life in the direction that it needs to go by the words we speak, by taking the Word of God and speaking the Word of God about our life and our situation. Not speaking what the devil says to us, not speaking what the news media says to us, but speaking Speaking what thus saith the Lord. Who will believe the report of the Lord tonight? Amen. Whose report will you believe? I talked to someone on the phone today and I told them that very thing. I said, you know, whose report? It's like Isaiah said. Whose report will you believe? We sang that song. We shall, I will believe the report of the Lord. His report says I am healed. His report says I am filled. His report says I am free. His report says victory. Come on, somebody. Yes, sir. Woo, hallelujah. I mean, they shut us down to 10 people. We're still going to have church and shout. Come on now. Yes, Praise God. Yes, so we must meet our storms, our crisis situations by speaking what God's Word says instead of words of fear, words of doubt, words of fretting, words of unbelief, 
and instead of declaring the worst about the situation and listen I'm not I'm not standing here tonight telling you to be like an ostrich and stick your head in the sand and ignore the circumstances and that you can confess that away or that you can that you can just deny the situation no the situation is real the devil is real the coronavirus is real the pandemic is real amen but I can tell you this in the midst of this storm God's people have got to rise up and speak what he says and believe what he says about the situation amen Amen. the report of the Lord not denying the circumstances. I want to make that clear. Not, 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 not uh, being presumptuous or just you know ignoring the situation, but still believing and declaring the word of the Lord. Jesus used the word of God when he faced the attacks of Satan in the wilderness, did he not? He used the word of God. He said what? It is written. Every time the enemy attacked him, Jesus, Jesus countered, oh hallelujah, Jesus countered the attack of the enemy with the words, Satan, it is written. And three times he used three, he used three verses of scripture from the book of Deuteronomy and sent the devil packing. And he did that as an example for us. Well, we've got the entire Old Testament. We've got the entire New Testament. We've got a covenant sealed by the blood of Jesus. We ought to be able to take the word of God and speak it with our mouth and get it in our heart and send the devil packing. This word, hallelujah, this word, of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. It is the sword of the Spirit that you and I are to use against the attacks of the enemy. Amen. The Bible said that when John saw Jesus on the Isle of Patmos that he, he described what he looked like and he said out of the mouth of Jesus came a sharp two-edged sword. Where did that sword come from? It came from out of his mouth. We got to put the word of God in our heart and speak it out of our mouth and say devil this is what the word of the Lord says amen praise God sorry for getting excited but many people tonight have experienced spiritual shipwreck they're their ship is off course tonight. Because they've, they've spoken negatively about their situation. Yeah, but Brother Rick, it's true. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I'm not standing here. Listen, I'm not standing up here saying, if you're sick, to say, I'm not sick. Now, there have been those that have taught that, haven't they? Oh, I don't, I, you know, you're just, you're just so hot you can't touch them. And they say, oh, I don't have a fever. That's not, that's not, you know, that Jesus is not, the Word of God is not um, condoning lying. Are you listening to me? So, I mean, if you're sick, you're sick. Christian science denies the existence of sickness. Christian science teaching, they deny the existence of a devil. They deny the existence of sin. They deny the existence of sickness. They say you're not really sick, you just think you are. You know, you just think it's all in your mind. You just got to think that you're not sick and you won't be sick. Well, that's not scriptural at all. It's like the, you know, it's like the, (laughs) Like the little boy's mom was sick, and he goes to the Christian science practitioner and says, my mom's sick. And he said, no, she's not sick. She just thinks she's sick. Go back home and tell her to think she's well. So he goes back home and tell her. Uh, you know, he, he uh, just, the, the, the preacher said, just think you're okay. Just think you're well. A few couple days later, he's going back down the road. The Christian science practitioner sees him and said, where are you going? He said, well, I've got to go get the doctor. Mama's still sick. He said, no, she's not sick. She just thinks she's sick. Go back and tell her you just think you're sick. Just, just, just think you're well and you'll be well. 
couple of days later, the little boy's coming back down the street. The Christian science walks, goes by his house. Christian science practitioner says, where are you going, son? He said, well, I'm going to get the undertaker. said, mom thinks she's dead. <laughs> Praise God. Mom thinks she's dead. But no, there are so many that have, have, uh, are going the wrong direction and living lives of defeat and living lives of discouragement simply because their, 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 their mouth, their talk is taking them in the wrong direction. And that's what James is talking about here. Listen, here's what we've got to declare. Here's what we've got to declare as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. What the Word of God says about us. So no matter what, no matter what I'm going through, no matter what I'm facing, here's what I'm talking about. The Bible still says, even in the face of an apparent defeat, the Bible still says that we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ our Lord. Is that not what it says? Amen. So that's what our mouth has got to direct us. Hallelujah. Through that declaration of the Word. No matter what I'm facing or what the enemy brings against me or what kind of, uh, uh, what the situation's going on in the world around me, I have got to declare this. I've got to make myself say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Can you see? That will start turning. Oh, glory to God. That will start turning your ship around and getting you back on course. The devil the devil's messed up your radar. The devil's got you all messed up and sidetracked. But you've got to stand up and say, it don't matter what the storm looks like. If God be for us, who can be against us? There are more that are for us than there are that are against us. And we are still on the winning side. Jesus has won the victory at the cross of Calvary. He's alive. He's on the throne. And I'm going to declare my victory in Jesus Christ. Come on and give. Let's turn this horse around. Let's turn this ship around and get it going in the right direction. Hallelujah. Woo! Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 No weapon that is formed against us can prosper. Amen. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. Is that what the Bible says? Woo. Oh, let's see. I got I to gotta quit. But let me give you an example of this. Because a tongue, a tongue that is out of control is like an unattended rudder, like a horse without a bridle running wild. And it's got to be brought under control. Let me close this by going to 1 Samuel. Go to 1 Samuel with me. I'm going to give you a Bible example and we're going to close this for tonight. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Very familiar passage. You, you heard this and was taught this in Sunday school as a kid. I still love to preach about it. It's about David and Goliath. How many remember that story? Do you know we're facing a Goliath right now? Huh? Aren't we? Little bitty old David, little old ruddy old David with nothing but a slingshot and five smooth stones out of the brook standing before ten foot tall Goliath with all of his armor, with all of his weaponry. And David's standing there and that's kind of the way we are, you know. We're, this fight ain't fair. But it's not, it's not who you are and it's not who I am, but it's who is on our side. And I want to show you 
how David turned this situation to, into victory. Because you know what was going on here when, 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 when Saul and, his, and the armies of Israel were gathered against the Philistines, one, one army on this side of the valley, one army on that side, and Goliath comes down into the valley every day and makes his boast. Ten foot tall, all of his armor, the Bible describes all that, and he makes his boast, makes his brag. He says, I'm going to defeat you, you Israelites, you big bunch of sissies, you big cowards. Send somebody down here to fight me. And if they can, can you got anybody can fight me and beat me and whoop me, then we'll be your servants. But if I whoop them, then uh, you'll be our servants. And everybody in Saul's army is just, they're, they're kind of like America. They're all hid. They're all stuck in the trenches. They're all shaking in their boots. Nobody will go fight the giant. My God, give us some Davids today. Come on. And David comes to see how the battle's going on. And, and he's standing there and he's greeting his brothers. And, and uh, you know, he's just talking to everybody. And all of a sudden, that big giant comes down and makes his boast. And David hears him. And the Spirit of the Lord comes on David. And, and he said, what's all this about? And they, they told him the situation. They said, you know, the king has promised that uh, anybody that will go down there and fight him can have his daughter for his wife and will never have to pay no taxes. And that would have been enough to get anybody to go, not have to pay no taxes. Amen? And uh, he said, well, what about the one, what, what one that will go down here and take the reproach away from Israel? He said, you tell Saul I'll go down there. You all know the story. He said, I'll go down there and fight that giant. And his brothers, you know, they made fun of him. And everybody said, oh, he's a man of war. You can't fight him. You can't battle him. You can't defeat him. And he said, I'm going. I'm going down there. And he got his slingshot. He got him five smooth stones out of the, out of the brook. Somebody said, why did he get five? Well, Goliath did have four brothers. You read that all, uh, later, later on. But anyway, he got five smooth stones, puts them in his shepherd's back, gets his slingshot, goes down there to face the giant. And the giant, Goliath, is mocking David. He's making fun of him. He says, what in the world are they doing? Uh, have, they, have they sent a child out here to fight against me and in, in, in 1 Samuel 17 it says this it says this then uh, in verse number 41 says so the Philistine came and began to draw near to David and the man who bore the shield went before him and when the Philistine looked about and saw David he disdained him for he was only a youth ruddy and good looking and so the Philistine said to David am I a dog that you've come to me with sticks and the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. He's intimidating. Us using intimidation and fear against David, the two tactics that the enemy uses the, the most. And then David said to the Philistine, Now listen, you come to me with a sword. Now I'm talking about this rudder in your mouth. I'm talking about, I'm about to shout. I'm talking about changing the direction of the situation in your life. He said, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. Now notice what David says. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcass of the camp of the Philistine to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Can you see how David's talking to the enemy? The devil, the, the, David's telling the enemy, you think you're some hot shot, but I'm not coming to you just with sword and spear. I'm coming in the name. I got a God on my side. Hallelujah. I'm not facing you in my own ability, but today everybody's gonna know there is a God in Israel, I think it's time that this nation knows there is a God in America. There is a God in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. 
the earth is going to know there's a God in Israel, then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with a sword or with a spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and He will give you into our hands. It wasn't a maybe we'll win, maybe we'll lose. It wasn't a I don't know if we're going to make it or not. I, it may, we may not make it. It was the Lord's going to win this battle for us today. And that's what the church has got to begin to believe, begin to declare Jesus Christ has already won the victory. The battle's not ours, but it's God's. And turn this ship around. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. So it was that the Philistine arose and came and drew near David to meet David. And David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. He wasn't running away from him. He was running to him. Amen. And David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and he slung it and struck the Philistine in the forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed, prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and, took, and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of his sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. Notice this, when the men of Israel and Judah arose, then the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines. They was a bunch of chickens until one guy stood up and won the victory, and then they all shouted. Well, praise God. We all need to be shouting tonight. We don't need to be hiding. We don't need to be afraid. We don't need to be fearful. Are we taking this thing serious? Of course we are. But we've got a God standing on our side. And we may be looking at a Goliath, but I want you to know the battle is the Lord. It belongs to the Lord. Hallelujah. It's God. We belong to Jesus. We're His tonight. And the gates of hell will not prevail against His church. Praise God. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit. I'm going to hush right there. Amen. But do you see what James is saying? Our circumstances, our direction of our life can be changed, can be turned around. When we begin to agree, we begin to agree with what God says and with, who God, with, with what God and who God is to us. Amen, amen. Praise God. We've got to change our negative talk into agreement with what the Lord is saying to us. Amen. I've been really shocked and amazed the past few days at I'm not I'm not here to criticize anybody. I have no qualms with anyone, with any pastor that has felt the need to dismiss their church services. I have nothing against that. I, I have not criticized any of them. But those pastors, many of them, have criticized us who have decided to have church by saying that we're not using wisdom, by saying that we're, we're, in, we're in rebellion. Even said one said we're, that we're in rebellion. If you're having church after the president has... has, has has said that you should limit your gatherings to 10 people, then you're in rebellion. One preacher quoted Romans 13 and said that we were to obey the powers that be and obey the law. There's been no law made. There's been no law made. Our president has advised. He has not commanded. There's been no executive order signed. We're not breaking any laws. And so, 
It's been upsetting to me. I told Vicki, I said, I got to get off. I got to stay off Facebook. Stirring me up. Yeah, yeah. Stir you up. And then the, 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 then this morning was like the straw that broke the camel's back when I got on there and looked and I knew better. I felt the Holy Spirit was saying, don't look at Facebook this morning, and I did anyway. Right off the bat, there was a post by a, by a full gospel preacher, pastor, that had a picture of one of these pre- wild preachers that's handling snakes and said that the pastors that are still determined to have church in the midst of this coronavirus are no different than pastors that handle snakes. That's what I said. Oh, come on. I, I went in there and showed Vicki. I said, this takes the cake. This just beats anything I ever seen in my life. So like I said, I'll be here Sunday morning for anybody that wants to show up. And if 10 people show up or 5 people show up or 3 people show up, however many show up, you know what we're going to do? We're going to sing a couple of songs and we're going to worship the Lord and we're going to study the Word and we're going to pray. We're going to praise the Lord. Amen. I don't see nothing wrong with that. Amen. Praise God. Let's lift our hands and praise Him tonight. Father, we love You and praise You and worship You tonight. We thank You for the opportunity, God. We're believing that You're going to help us, God. Help us through our faith, through our faith, through correcting our, our words, Lord, to turn this situation around. Help us, God, not to dwell on negativity. We're we're not denying the situation, Lord. We're not sticking our head in the sand, but we're believing that in the face of this, just as Goliath was real, just as he was strong, just as he was powerful, yes, but God, you're more powerful. You are stronger than anything that the devil can bring against this nation and against your church. And we pray today against this this Goliath, this pandemic, we, we, we stand in faith as a church, as a body of believers today, and we declare that the battle is the Lord's. And we declare today in the name of Jesus that the greater one lives in us and you have built your church upon the rock. We are founded on Jesus Christ and the gates of hell shall not prevail against us. Hallelujah. We trust in you. Our faith is anchored in the cross of Christ, in the blood of Jesus Christ. And we're believing you tonight and making our declaration of faith tonight that Jesus, you are above all. You are above all. You are above all. And your name is above every name that is named. In Jesus' name, we claim victory, Lord, over this pandemic and over the fear and over the panic that has captivated the lives of your people. We bind it and rebuke it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen.